1: hello everybody and welcome back to rule the roost podcast it's been it's been quite a good week i, I, I I'm not quite sure why. Well, I know exactly why, and so do you, you cheeky little beggars. Um, And to to, to bring you on this brilliant ride, I've got... uh, Well, to accompany me on this brilliant ride, I should say, is Ben Haynes. Haynesy, how are you doing, mate?
2: Hello, mate. How are you? What a week and a half that's been.
1: I know, right? I haven't haven't recorded. I, I wasn't one of those people that was motivating and hard working enough to do one post Arsenal. I'll be honest. So this is, honest, this is a big I was, sandwich. I was
2: sat. I was sat being like refreshing the feed because you're sort of my going right, blow smoke up your ass now. You can take your oh, headphones please, off for please, a second. <laughs> yeah. You bend over and tense yeah. up, sunshine. No, I am. Um, I'm always refreshing my feed as I'm about to walk to work in the morning, and I was sitting there waiting for it to drop. And you've had so many like good guests recently. I mean, you always have great guests, but you had so many sort of like coys royalty. I was like, right, who's it going to be that you've roped in for this one? And when there was no episode, <laughs> I was like, genuinely, I was like one of those sneaky like twelve year old YouTube subscribers saying, "Drop the vid, drop the vid." <laughs> um, but like nothing came through. I couldn't believe it. Absolutely fuming.
1: Sorry about that, mate. I'm, I'm sorry to anybody I've I've let down, but you, you all know the score by now as well. And it's, it's also nice to, you know, to me, it's just my ego, mate. It's nice to just, you know, yeah. feel wanted, you know, <laughs> to me, it's more validation for somebody saying, you lazy piece of shit. Where is the podcast? As opposed to somebody just being like, that was really good, mate. Nice You're just
2: one. On, on Twitter, replying to people saying, go on, tell me I'm scum. Yeah, exactly.
1: Please. <laughs> God, maybe it is something. I've This is something I should probably talk to a therapist about. I think. Yeah. Can I
2: I just say I've I've really enjoyed over the last few weeks. There's been some unbelievable corkers. Sentient play though was a particularly good one. (laughs) I really really enjoyed that. That tickled me a lot. Um, There was one with there was a bit with Flav when you were talking about the nature of like the relationship with like the club and stuff. And I was like, God, this is just so sort of. And and the same with spooky. Actually, you know how you could be having a conversation with those two, and you can go existential really quickly.
1: Yeah, I do like it. I like well, the thing. The thing that's always good about doing it with Flav is it's either this huge existential, thought provoking stuff or willys. You know, and, <laughs> and that's the same just, with Ricky. No, as well. nobody, nobody does it like Flav on that front. But oh,
2: mate, mate, can go from from six to midnight in about two seconds.
1: And uh, yeah, I know. I, I think you didn't you highlight the bit you particularly liked to the pod of Ricky was uh, the revelation that I occasionally <laughs> send him my prize turf outs <laughs> as and when they as and when they occur.
2: It's, just it's so true. Hilarious. I mean, that is just because uh, uh, you and I on, on WhatsApp, we sort of converse quite a bit about just kind of like random stuff. It will just be sort of things that have like caught my eye or your eye over the course of the last like week or whatever. He's like, mate, have you seen this? This is bizarre. But I'm so glad that I get that as opposed to it's a picture of a a particularly large bit of action that I've had over the last 24 hours.
1: You know how Patreon's like a really big thing now. Maybe do you think there would be a market for put it behind the poo wall? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Only fans as well. Put it behind the poo wall. You know.
2: Maybe oh, oh I don't know. God. I,
1: I, I I I wouldn't put it past the internet for for it to be a thing for excrement photos to be an OnlyFans type thing. Yeah, look, I mean, maybe I should try it. Dangerously
2: Shit. close territory to use sort of sending your used undies to people on eBay, like people coming in to buy your lovely pants. Look, you know,
1: <laughs> I, I, I've got no shame. You know, right, let's just,
2: <laughs> I'll take anything.
1: Let's just, let's just let's just let's just do it. I mean. Right, let's, let's, we'll move away from this this isn't the start <laughs> anybody wanted like
2: for, for this people that are like proper coys have come like let's get into that Arsenal game in 20 minutes If we're still talking about your dookies
1: I'd hope <laughs> I'd hope by now people kind of know what they're getting from this so uh, it's oh, shit it. and you know here you go um, I mean just like come up like the North London derby just how absolutely glorious was that i mean oh, no. seriously i mean, could, could could we even i mean the thing is you know it was almost quite disappointing just just how good we were and just how bad they were which is it's perverse but we're so conditioned to expect this kind of nail biting horrible end to end affair but they just completely i'm i'm going i'm going i'm going to say it already mate they bottled it they absolutely I, bottled it. it
2: goes i think it goes deeper than that as well I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. Is that they didn't they they self-destructed? They didn't just kind of have a wobble. Like the idea that Holding, who had fouled Son three times by the time he went for that f- elbow smash, hadn't sort of gone. I need maybe I need to rein this in. It, it was self-destruction. It was like it, it was a strange thing that I, people sort of always use that term Spursy, which drives me up up the wall. But I understand. Where where it comes from, and I understand the idea that people are looking at Spurs when they're in really good positions to just kind of fall apart under pressure. I didn't think that I didn't think that Arsenal sort of sort of didn't play well enough on the day. They actively destroyed themselves. It was really strange.
1: The the funny thing is, you know, it, it, I think something that's propelled them on quite a lot. And one thing I would give Arteta credit for is that I do think he's managed to instill a kind of a, a core unity there he's he's weeded out the players he doesn't particularly like or you know he doesn't feel a part of the unit basically reminiscent of what Pochettino did in his early days and th- there were some of those painful departures you Aaron Lennon's you Michael Dawson's um players like that that he just knew he couldn't rely on for whatever reason got rid of them and has managed to like, instill this mentality there that you know the arsenal and all that type of stuff that is disgusting for anybody outside of the club but you can see the fans are bought into it and a lot of the players are too however in that game like you're saying that kind of self-destructive side it feels like that that capacity to rein it in and I, I guess that comes with partly with having a young squad but i still think it's a young squad that it doesn't kind of have the the humble origin story that Tottenhams did under Pochettino of this is Tottenham kind of rags to riches. Tottenham coming from nowhere. Yeah, this totally. is the Arsenal. This is the we're gonna bring back the Wenger glory days. There's that kind of hubris, that ego about them that isn't endearing really? That that and then I think manifests in like you say in games like that when they're like, well, come on, we gotta do this is a North London derby. So let's dive into challenges, early doors. Let's go flying in with elbows. It's like lads, like it's a That's different, a n- it's a different game now. It's VAR. Such a it's
2: misunderstanding, isn't it? It's such a misunderstanding of what it is to show passion, spelt P A S H U N. Yeah, like, like it's just not. Is it? It's just so not it in a North London derby. Like you can do. There are so many other things that you can do to show intensity as opposed to clattering someone in the face. Like it's. Just, it, I thought, to be fair, much as we've spoken about Arsenal, and just really quickly, I know you've touched on this before, the counter of, of that having that ingrained in the DNA is that Arsenal still can get over the line sometimes in the FA Cup, for example, because they can lean on that history here and there. Yeah. But at the same time, coming into this one, I thought we handled the situation and we handled the occasion unbelievably well and that was not just players and not just Conte but I thought the fans handled it incredibly as well like they knew what the assignment was from the moment that the game started it was 90 minutes of singing with all fans on their feet it was incredible it was uh, genuinely did you see them were you watching on the sky did you see that that shot they did at the TIFO at the beginning
1: no, well, I, I was there actually, but um, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, not, not
2: not that not that matters. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, just uh, you know, you just you I was know. Actually it's there. what
1: he it was is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we Once. we I know you. Were you watching it on a, one of those streams or something that you get? Yeah, to, I, I, saw, I saw I saw the
2: soccer streams.
1: The video you shared, though, mate, which was pretty because oh, I'll, I you know I'll be. Cards on the table, I was definitely one of those ball bags before this. i have been like, why are we manufacturing this thing? Why are we doing... T- this is like Leicester clappers. This is... Clubs shouldn't be doing this type of thing. But to be fair, I mean, the only... If I'm still to criticise it a little bit, dare, dare, dream, do, as one of my mates said, is a little live, love, laugh, but...
2: Yeah, eat, pray, love. Yeah, a, exactly.
1: a, a little, but you know what? I, I, in situ, as they say, it was, it was pretty class it was pretty unbelievable and
2: when you when you saw it sort of unfurl it was like oh wow that stand is that we need to turn that into that stand that on big games like when their team's attacking that goal that you're like we're going to score we're just going to score and it did get the i
1: mean the thing is ultimately like you know it can be it can be a stick in the mud about this sort of stuff or you can just realize that the game has changed and that people are kind of much more attuned to these aesthetics and appealing kind of things in that way, you know, that it it's not all kind of... Spitting sawdust anymore, as you, you, you know what I mean. You
2: don't you? You want. No.
1: <laughs> Although, do you know what? After mugging them off directly about it, I did kind of look at Newcastle's little flags last night, and I thought that looks fucking sick. Actually, yeah, no. St well, James's well, you... Park looks. Do you know what I've got to say, <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal <laughs> in this run-up have had two end-of-season games at two. Let's be honest, two two of the country's better Coolance. stadiums. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like. Two, I mean, people can say whatever they want about Spurs and I know the atmosphere might have dipped consistently over the past few years as we've gotten a bigger club. But still, one thing I think we can hold on to is that we do still have one of the best supporters in the country, you know, and that really shows in games like that.
2: Do you, do you know what it is, mate? I think we've got, we've got that really sort of um, interesting hybrid supporter base that w- because we don't take ourselves sort of too seriously sometimes like we sort of actively take the piss out of ourselves half the time people are like oh why don't spurs fans sort of get behind the team enough why do they sort of need g and up and then the other half of the time i just feel like fans totally get what's needed like yeah. against arsenal yeah. it felt like every single person that arrived into the stadium there's so much criticism in there of, of the premier league around oh it's become a tourist thing People travel from all over the world to go and watch games. And they don't really get it and they don't really understand it. And that, look, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with people coming from all over the world to support their team. In fact, like it's a brilliant thing that it, it's so global now. But it definitely felt against Arsenal. There were 62,000 people there. That were not going to move. They weren't going to budge an inch away from being unbelievably partisan and just being like, "I'm going to sing for ninety minutes and like we're going to raise the roof." And do you know what's amazing is that like we're finally getting to that point where some of the old songs are coming back. Yeah. You know, when the sort of stands are singing to each other like that just puts the hairs on the back of my neck. I, I love it.
1: I was saying this with uh, with Shah the other day that like the whole Park Lane shelf side chart. Oh, I love it it's just going to go it. forever it has to and I, I, we were sort of saying do, does any other club do that but I guess we wouldn't know because we probably don't know all the names of the different stands and you just other t- other clubs sort of chants when you're watching it on telly they just sort of meld into background noise yeah, don't they because you don't it. know the exact words and stuff especially <laughs> I always say with uh Tom Foynes there's always there's this one whenever you play at Turf Moor whenever you play at Burnley you just hit almost for ninety
2: minutes.
1: (laughs) I think it's something like play up Burnley something like that but it just sounds
2: like
1: for ninety minutes I cannot stand it. We'll get on to them but
2: it's just like a really shit version of Spanish Flea just
1: going on in the background. But. There was just there was just so much to love about that game, and yeah, you know, you can sort of by the sort of seventieth minute, sort of thinking like, is that it? It was it was almost like you know the Wizard that of that Oz, is? Wizard of Oz, peeking behind the curtain, being like, that's it, that's them, pathetic. It turns you know? out
2: they were just a bunch of bright lights put against a shadow.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> just it, it was you almost honestly felt embarrassed for them and I didn't I didn't even I, I don't really partake in this type of stuff unless there's there's some that are particularly nasty to me in the past but I don't really partake in the whole like woo to like fans like mates who are fans of Arsenal or whoever yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't really be asked. with all scarred,
2: my... isn't it? we've got PTSD from it happening throughout the 90s yeah that and also I'm just like uh...
1: You know, like yeah, you, totally. You know, whatever. My my club did the talking, mate. You know, that's yeah. uh, that's it. That's... But how
2: weird was it, mate? Sitting, like you said, in the seventieth minute, sitting there, being like, "Is this one finished?
1: Hmm. Shall Is... I shall I go and get a hot dog?" No, no. <laughs> you know, like, uh, but it's, it, 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 but it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. And still, when the final whistle goes, that like, you did get the rush. You were just like, we have fucking done." Like they've showed that like, they could have they could have turned up that day. And actually sealed the Champions League. They've got all or nothing following them. Oh, we had our big TIFO. Dude. We had all this stuff, all the chat about Antonio Conte and all this. The narrative was there, though, for them. This plucky, V Arsenal, turning up at White Hart Lane, like their teams of yesteryear did, winning the league at White Hart Lane. They could show up and seal the Champions League there in the first North London derby, full of fans in the brand new stadium, after we've done our TIFO, and we've done all this pre-match hype about it, and they couldn't get it across the line. You know, they couldn't do it. And that feeling of just like, even if from that point, and even if now, even if from this point, they go on and get the Champions League, it'll be horrible. It'll be horrible to finish beneath them. But also knowing in that moment, we fucking had you, lads. We we had you. And you know what the funny thing is? if you hadn't have actually gamed the system and run away from, you <laughs> ran away from the North London derby in January. If you hadn't have done that, there's every chance you'd have probably beaten us then.
2: Yeah, it could well have happened. By the way, I'm going to clip up that last minute and a half and use it as ASMR. <laughs> just, like, just Inject it into my ears directly for the next two weeks. Well, unless anything happens that we didn't want to happen against Norwich. But um, oh, mate, can I, can I just add something to that that would just be the biggest big ball Please. energy ever? I, I was really, really lucky on, the, on the, the game against Burnley. The players did their sort of walk around and basically as they were walking around, a couple of them just peeled off to come and do N17 after the game. And annoyingly, Hugh, like for, for Hugo Lloris's interview, I don't think his mic was working at 100%. But he said about Arsenal, he was like, yeah, on that night, we served them caviar. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, we caviar? serve them caviar how like that's proper sort of like that's proper Potch standing in the change room like screaming making the big bull <sighs> signal isn't it it's, it's, it's like just delicious absolutely delicious I love
1: Hugh I mean what a season he's had as well man mate. Uh, and what listen, player. I,
2: I have to be? I have to be completely honest I have had those points after he like sort of smashed his arm in half against Brighton I had the panic. I was like, is he going to be able to recover from yeah. that? It looked horrendous. Also, is he going to be able to recover from it in the sense that he's going to be confident coming for crosses? Because well, he was also many... crapping
1: that his form was <laughs> awful leading up to that injury. You know, like... How
2: many times against Arsenal did he just go and pluck across that at the sky uh... and then just lie down on the ground for 30 seconds and just let us all get our breath back? but f- like that's such understanding of what's needed again in that situation. But the
1: funny thing is like one of the big things that he's been like really hammered for is district and I feel like like even in the past year that's got no, improved. Like totally. all, but everything that you say like claiming stuff, claiming balls against Burnley. He was like plucking them out of the sky the other night. Constantly. So he's just getting better at all the stuff he was never that good at. Yeah. Like, he's just I don't know he's I know he what is he 34 35 now? He can play till he's 40 surely. You know, goalkeepers can.
2: Also, he's sort of the fact that he said that he's sort of committed to helping bring the next goalkeeper through at Spurs. Like him saying that I'm going to be here until I can get the next number one to come in and replace me. That that is that you can't. It's very rare that I sort of give West Ham loads of credit, but you can sort of see why someone like Mark Noble has had the longevity he's had at West Ham. It's not because he's a phenomenal player. It's because they just want to have someone like Mark Noble in the background, Man City with Fernandinho and mm. Vincent Company, Henderson. Liverpool with James Milner, yeah. Jordan Henderson. Yeah. Like You need to have people that are driving standards off the pitch as well as on it. And the good thing for us with Hugo is that at the moment, his his performance level has been phenomenal. Like, just... The, the, all I really... I think for most football fans, it's not just Spurs fans, but most football fans, what they really want from a goalkeeper is someone that will be a 7 out of 10 most weeks, occasionally an 8 out of 10, but never a 4 out of 10, never someone that just kind of lets one through their legs. Do you remember when we had Gomez in goal, right? He would often perf- like do these miraculous saves and you'd be like, this guy is the absolute, he's mustard. And then he'd go and drop one through his legs yeah, and you'd yeah, be yeah. like, oh, Sake, mate. You do? Don't make the worldy save. I can deal with the one that's flying in the top corner. What I can't deal with is the one against Chelsea where he lets it through his legs. Well, do, and do you remember the, the one back.
1: against Fulham when it just literally looked like he was daydreaming and the ball just kind of went past him? Like it yeah. was like he wasn't paying attention to the game. And you just think, Premier League football, <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> you know? Just don't come out and punch Ledley King in the face instead of the yeah. ball. Like, just do you know what I mean? And the thing is with Hugo, is you're now getting. You're now getting all of that competence that he's got, all the experience that he's got and then he's adding things in at 35. He's adding, his distribution's getting better. His claiming crosses is getting better. And even uh, the other thing I suppose that we should probably kind of give some serious props to, when you've got someone like Eric Eric Dyer in front of you who has been questioned a million times over who now just looks totally calm and composed. It looks like a man reborn. Battery. It's but... unbelievable, isn't it?
1: Like I, I don't even see or even think I want to replace him, no. you know, like I, I think he's. A re- I don't know if you saw Christian Romero the other day said that his partnership with Dyer is really important to him as oh, well. I didn't see that. What yeah. did he say? I, it was just something along along those lines that he he feels he's built a really good partnership, understanding with Eric Dyer. Um,
2: they, you can see on during games like Eric Dyer is he's marshalling, like he is such a talker. It's one of the big things behind closed doors, he was the loudest player on the pitch, but now. I think there's a confidence that comes with that comes with the idea of being like, wow, we're really settled here. I think the back three went like 16 games or something, didn't they? Before, but, but even, even
1: Gentle Ben. What, oh, a, mate. What, what a player! What a player! Like playing in that left centre back role, and to give him his props. Rad just been saying that from, from like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. He's literally been saying if if Ben Davis played in a left centre back role, part of a three we'd see the best of him. He's he's Raj has like consistently said that. And I'd be like, get rid of him. He's shit. You know, but (laughs) now look at, look at him. I mean, and this is, this is the main, I would say the main thing. Cause I think, I think, I think there are some leaps at the moment about content. I do want to talk about content more in depth a bit later on, but in terms of like, you know, well, we, we wouldn't have done this under anyone else. Look at the mentality Conte's bred. Maybe. But I think one of the main things I think he's done, he seems to be a very pragmatic manager, right? And obviously the main thing he's realised is Tottenham's defence was whack. Like when he came in, what was undermining us was just that terrible defence. But... It's. If anything, it's like one of the strongest elements of our team now. Like yeah. when you when you're looking at the, those three centre backs, and if you look at even like what he's done to Doherty and Romero, Ryan Cessignon, Ryan Cessignon for the past against Liverpool, against Arsenal. But the lad's been sensational. Oh, I love Like him. he's been absolutely, and I'm I'm honestly so happy like to see like a kind of lad that came with such a big reputation who obviously, I mean, let's be brutally honest, wilted under the pressure of making that step up. Of uh, I don't know, he just never looked that assured. I think, funnily enough, he actually, I remember, he played really well against Bayern Munich away. Yeah, he did. He in the Champions League. Yeah, he he did score as well, actually, yeah. And he just, I thought he he had a generally really good game. And then he just never seemed to build on that and... I don't know. He had. I think he had a fairly kind of lukewarm substitute appearance. But as somebody pointed out, actually, I can't remember on one of the pods. Somebody pointed out, funnily enough, you know, he actually joined that team in Germany during like COVID, yeah. during just lockdown. What, he was in Germany on his own,
2: just just him and his missus, and no other support network Awful. around him. I think he went. I think he went first without her, and then she went out to join him. And like we all, I mean, we all know what we we kind of experienced during lockdown. I sort of. I really, really struggle with the idea of just not being able to go out and do yeah. the normal things you would normally do, and um, the idea that you would then change your entire backdrop, your entire setup, all of the things you take for granted to go and challenge yourself. I, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves that because it's almost forgotten. You know, when players go out on loan, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of Twitter accounts that will be like, "Oh, we're watching this guy on loan," and they'll kind of give you the updates. But I know I haven't watched. Um, for example Gio Lo Celso in huge depth outside of yeah. the Champions League I've not seen much of, of Ndombele for example Brian Hill like I you, you you probably have that feeling as a player as well that you're out of sight out of mind and the way that he sort of embraced it captured it and then it's come back the, the thing that pains me with Ryan Sessioner is that you know how good he was at Fulham like you know how good he was in that season when Fulham got promoted and he was as a left wing-back, he was finding himself in the six-yard box and scoring goals, and, and he, he, you, you could see that he wanted to take everything. I think he was maybe like 17 he, or 18 at the time. He, he looked like Gareth Bale, kicks, didn't he? Totally, totally. wanted to take all the, the penalties, the free yep. kicks, the corners. Any time anything big happened, they turned around and looked at him as their sort of source of inspiration, which for a 17-year-old or whatever it was, is, was unbelievable. and It just felt like over the course of this season, every time... He's managed to get himself back into that headspace. He's got unlucky with an injury.
1: I, I, and this is I, I I don't think it's a bad problem for us to have Region and Cessny both vying for that left side at yeah, all. It's and I, I, I the again, like you're saying, sort of like the the culture of football now is it's very easy to just dismiss somebody and we're all yeah. guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. And I think at the moment, yeah, obviously there's a bit of oh Region's not up to much. He's obviously still a very good player. I, I just I think for me the thing that I've noticed in Cessignon and yeah Reggion he is a he's a ballsier player and I think he's more kind of self assured and he's more full of himself and that's obviously helpful in that position the position that where you really have to probably be one of the ballsiest players on the pitch to be honest playing in a Conte yeah, system as a wing so back true. yeah tearing it up and down the pitch being aggressive in attack and in defence and just you know basically being able to to go full throttle and Reggion's good at that and I'll give him that but the the thing that I think Sessegnon has is I just I just think he's an overall smarter player I just think he seems to be more aware of what his teammates are doing around him of reading the game a bit better of and I just think his, his final delivery especially in the past few games we're starting to see it now now he is growing in confidence and he is feeling that kind of self-assurance to just be like right Actually, you know, I'm in a sprint. Let's just whip across him. You know, we've seen him do that a couple of times now, and he's he's good. He's good, and I'm. I, you know, it, it again. It's one of those things where you're like, maybe we don't have to spend fifty mil on the new wing back this summer. You know?
2: Yeah. Well, particularly on the left hand side. I mean, it, it, I, it remains to be seen what happens in terms of the situation. Obviously, Regulon's got the the buyout clause and and stuff like that, but. Down the left-hand side, like you said, it does feel like there's a competition there and it feels like Sessegnon's ceiling is so high that if he can stay fit, there, there there's so much potential that's been untapped there. I'd love to see him go on another level with his, de- with his delivery. I feel like there's a...
1: And his finishing.
2: Yeah, I feel like there's a confidence thing there. Like, you know he's got it in the locker and yet I feel like he'll get into advanced areas... And you're just thinking, mate, just go at that player that you're, that you're playing against. You're, you're quick enough and you're strong enough to do it. And for some reason, it's in the biggest games of the season that he's looked the most likely to do it. Against Liverpool, both times. He's been brilliant. Do you remember in the first game against Liverpool? He just absolutely pocketed Salah. Like he, he made him look nothing. And then he, he managed to sort of get down the wing and he got a pullback for Harry Kane, who absolutely shanked one. It, we thought he's going to score here. But he, he seems to, I don't know why, he seems to just kind of come alive in these, in these big games. You think, right, now do it. Now do it for 38. You know, now do it over the course of the season and, and make regulon step up. And I think what you said about the battling for positions... That's what it needs to be across the board. We need to. Eric Dyer is in a wonderful sort of sweet spot in his career at the moment. It feels Ben Davis has performed really, really well over the last few games. You now need to slot in someone else who's going to challenge both of them. Not saying that they have to come in and replace them, but when you've got that competition for places, like I think it elevates the level of the whole team. And you want to have that healthy competition. It's what all the best sides in the league have. It's what Liverpool and City at the moment it feels like if a player drops off at all they lose their spot for the next week and then they're desperate to get it back like I I would love for Spurs to have that problem I'd love for us this summer to go out and bring in another two or three players that you think should be in the first team but will have to battle for their spot to get in there Do you uh, just
1: to, to, to sort of close off the Arsenal well it won't be closing off Arsenal because it's going to be a constant theme throughout all this but in that game in particular I mean one one thing that's been raised one thing that I saw uh, an Arsenal fan and it wasn't in a you know it's just in a Twitter sort of thread and he wasn't even saying it in a kind of oh well way he was just doing it in a more uh, conciliatory way for their own fans as in like you know one thing we can take heart from is that Funnily enough, this is a Tottenham team now that is the more experienced of the two teams. It's a Tottenham team a that, point. for a large part, has played in a Champions League... At least the linchpins of this team have played in a Champions League final, have had title races. You know, they've got Son and Kane. And they've got Hugo Lloris. You know, it, it's, it's a good team. Whereas this Arsenal team is still... It's the youngest in the league, I think. And to be where they are is still pretty good. So, I mean... There's obviously a lot of knee-jerk from, especially like the likes of our old mate Troops at the moment, who's been kicking off about Arteta and the like. But I still, I still feel like he's doing a good job there, and I still feel like in the coming years, our kind of battle with them is it's it's going to be more of a thing, right? Or you,
2: well, I thought your point to to Flav was really interesting on this—the fact that like there's there's enough there to make you think. This, it, it's not going away, you know. There's a there's a there's enough in that squad in terms of like the the youngsters coming through that it's not we're not going to see a return to the Arsenal that we saw three four years ago. Do you know what I mean? When when you just felt like you know I don't recognise this side, it could be anything. You sort of felt like they could go and lose three or four games on the spin against some really dicey opposition. And to be fair, that has happened to them this season. But it's never felt like, with a complete lack of identity, I have to be honest, I think like you said earlier on, they came up against Spurs and Newcastle at the worst possible time. Newcastle on this brilliant run, and with the fans at fever pitch on a Monday night under the lights, you've got to travel four or five hours or whatever it is to go and try and pull something together there when you've just got hammered by your biggest rivals. That's rough timing, you know, that's really, really unlucky. Um, like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you you do sort of look at Arsenal's front three or four. I, I mean, Nketiah probably will move on this summer, but you look at Martinelli, Smith, Rowe and Saka in particular and think they're going to be there for a long time and they're going yeah. to get better and better and better. And they'll probably, Gabriel and White are both very good centre-backs. They'll improve. Tommy Yasu looks like a decent buy as well. Ramsdale's young. and. Exciting as well in terms of the the way that he approaches. He's the game he's so Arsenal
1: as well, isn't he? It? Is it's, totally it's grotesque. Arsenal. Yeah, right.
2: totally Arsenal. Atianni's obviously amazing. Got injured, yeah. like so. They've got the the structure of a very very good side. The good thing for us is, like you said, we're in a sweet spot in terms of the players that we've got, and we do seem to be adding. Like I I, I know Romero, Romero didn't play in the last two games, but. I've got so much joy from watching this young guy come through and just completely get what the fans oh, want Unbelievable.
1: From him. He's a general. Like, he's...
2: Pfft, and yet know. so wonderfully talented on the ball as well. Yeah. Like, you you then see him sort of, like, dance into the middle of the pitch and look so elegant on the ball off the back of having just smashed someone into Rose Ed. Like, what... A, what? We, at times, I get, I get a bit carried away with this sort of stuff, but at times, I have to sort of, like, pinch myself and be like, we're lucky to watch this guy play. Like we we were lucky to watch Jan and Toby together, you know, but we've got yeah. another one of that sort of defender that we're he, genuinely... He, he, I think in 20 years' time, we're going to look back and be like, do you remember Kuti Romero, how good he was?
1: He could... I mean, to me, he could be like a defensive kind of Modric. Like, I honestly, I can probably... Totally. I'm not pissing up. I'm just saying he's the sort of player I can see going to Real Madrid and becoming considered the best defender in the world, you know? Like, he's he's got the lot. I mean, you could probably work on his aerial ability a bit <laughs> if we're splitting hairs, but, yeah, but, from set yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, he's a kid. As a defender, to be as good as he is at his age, I think that's one of the things that people kind of, you know, sometimes when he had a few games where he was getting a couple of rash yellows and stuff, and people like, oh, people, you know, he's not as good as everyone's making out, You're like, but he he's like, in his early 20s, you know, yeah, he's playing he's, at this level. Virgil van Dyke wasn't playing at the level he's at till he was pushing 30, you know, like...
2: Mate, at Southampton, he was nowhere near the player that you Look what Harry
1: Kane I, did to him when he was at Southampton just yeah. a couple of years ago, you know?
2: Do you, do you, I don't know about you, I, I sort of... In my mind, when everyone was having that, that kind of semi-meltdown over Romero picking up cards, I'd kind of written it off. I was like, yeah, he'll probably get sent off twice this season, so what? Like in my, in my head, I was like, let him let him don't try and turn him into something that he's not, but his, his net
1: like, good is it far outweighed it, right?
2: yeah, and and yet, weirdly, his timing and his understanding of the Premier League has, over the course of six months gone through the roof. like you know that 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 challenge was it against who was it against? Um, where he ran in and absolutely thumped someone? And then just carried on and picked up the ball. It was only like two, three weeks ago, but my brain has gone to complete mush. But he ran in into a big 50-50 challenge. And it, like, he then went into another big 50-50 challenge. I think it was against Leicester. Um, and, then, and then sort of charged on with the ball and then found the pass. And then we scored from it off the back. Yeah, it was against Leicester. I think it was Sonny's goal. It's such a risk to go into those challenges. But at the moment, you just have such faith in him that he's going to go and win it you know you've such faith that he's going to go and win the ball and then do something meaningful with it and what a blessing that is to have a defender that can win the ball high up the pitch and then create a counter attack for you like yeah we're really really fortunate to have him at the moment just to go back to your point on on arsenal i do think we're going to be in a ding dong with them for the next few years in a very similar vein i think what's important for us now is that we need to make sure that we support this group of players that are in their prime with players that are coming through but are of a higher standard than what Arsenal have.
1: I mean, it looks promising. If you're looking at Kulisevski and you're looking at Bentancur, it, you know, it seems to be that the recruitment is doing all right at the, the moment.
2: Kulisevski, man, I'm, I'm so all in on him.
1: I'm so well in on him. He's, he's again, a he's sense like we we're saying about Romero, to be that age and to be, you know, he's the same age as Phil Foden. You know, it, it's it's yeah. it's exciting. It's exciting to have that. Um.
0: Selling a little or a lot. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Burnley... I don't want to sort of go on about it too much. It was a disgusting game. But I think one of the things I noticed about it is it's horrible. But I remember thinking this after I can't remember who they got it across the line. With the other day, but you know, a much is made of like Liverpool and their kind of when they're at their bombastic best. Mm. Oh, that's a nice bit of alliteration. Oh, yeah. But Ooh. um, Woof. they <laughs> but one of the things I think they probably don't get enough credit for is winning ugly. And I you think find it in a way, yeah, that is one of the main things I think that Klopp is because Liverpool, like they've always been able to do like the pretty stuff, yeah, you know, all those Gerard Suarez years and stuff like that. Where they always fucked up was winning the ugly games, always. <laughs>
2: Do you know who they did it against recently? It was against Newcastle. They won 1-0. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Like St James' Park. Yeah, and it
1: was and butters. It was a horrible game.
2: Grotesque. Grotesque. Got quite a fortuitous Naby Keita goal after 19 minutes. That's exactly what I'm thinking went of. On, went on the grind for, like yeah. for the rest of the game. And that's what we felt like at the weekend. Yeah. But, I would, but I would, once we'd scored, once we got that goal, I was like, yeah, I kind of, I'm backing us to grind here. Because Conte's got these patterns of play that we're following week in, week out now, that that are starting to be... You can see that players are moving into positions subconsciously. They're They're not overthinking things anymore. They just know exactly where they have to be, at what point. As soon as Hugo Lloris gets the ball played back to him in goal, you see everyone drop into position and you understand the pattern that's about to play out in front of you. And there was a patience there against Burnley that we kept trying to do the right things and kept trying to do the right things. I'm glad that, I mean, obviously it was a stinky penalty that just shouldn't be a penalty. But I will make the point that no one from a Burnley point of view knows the pain of conceding a penalty in the 23rd second of a Champions League final. No, this is it. I'll never have
1: sympathy for anyone for that. Never. Like, never. And and also like, yeah, it's, it's a shit penalty, but it's still a penalty. We've yeah. had those given against us, every like other than Steve that one, Russell. exactly
2: when, it, when back was turned and it hit his hand. We've seen plenty that? of
1: teams having having those go against, them. and I just thought, whatever it's Burnley's prerogative; they're trying to stay in the in the league and everything. But the whole like you know, fracar in the tunnel at half time stuff. Off. Just up, lads. Off. You wouldn't have been doing that if you'd have gotten that. You know, it's it's just how it it's how it, it happens every now and again. And I, you know, this is one of those things that always rankles me a bit actually, because I don't tend to do it really at all when Spurs get a poor decision go our way. Because I always see it as, it it generally does even itself out. It's it's really frustrating. And there are some that are farcical in the, you know, for example, remember Sheffield United, the ball hitting Moura's arm when he was lying oh, on the, after he'd been him. fouled. Yeah, you know, and that meant we had a, a goal chalked off and subsequently the rules changed. Yeah, I'll moan about ones like that every now and again. But, you know, when you see these kind of like pre-match previews at, we've both worked on do you know what I mean for for online publishers and you see kind of like the the, the representatives from each club going on about well you got this dodgy penalty oh, and You and it's just a bit boring isn't they're it they're
2: football flat earthers mate yeah. the, the ones that come out with that that chat around there's a conspiracy against us that this only happens, it happens well is this is what us been
1: doing all week have you seen that it has- some of the oh, stuff mate. some of mate. the stuff
2: do you see they were talking about
1: oh you know the FA need to investigate the fact that Tottenham were pumping artificial crowd noise into the stadium in the North London derby to intimidate the players yes mate that is honestly a thing did they
2: struggle with lockdown then when the the crowd noise was being pumped in on every single game and we had to play like music after the goals I mean like come on it's not it's the same for everyone I think one of the things that people forget is that because it's like you said earlier Ron football fans memories are incredibly short you basically, as I just proved when I couldn't remember who on earth we beat the other week. Like you're you're so present and in the moment and you like for me now all I can think about is right, we need to go and get a point against Norwich to get Champions League. Three weeks ago when we had dropped a, when we dropped a couple of points two games on the spin, it feels like the world's falling apart. It feels like everything's falling down. But people are so incapable at the moment of just removing themselves from a situation and sort of looking at it for what it is like the reality is you'll get over the course of the season probably 10 dodgy decisions go against you and you'll get 10 dodgy decisions that go for you it just is unlucky for Arsenal and and other like Burnley that those decisions have sort of they've happened to go against them at at a time of the season when it really really matters but one other thing that I just want to point out on Arsenal sorry to go back to this again please do let's not forget (laughs) That's possibly one of the worst Chelsea performances I've ever seen when they played Arsenal. When they played Man United, Bruno Fernandes, who was a Consistent from the spot last season, and Cristiano Ronaldo deciding that he didn't want to take the penalty, obviously for very understandable reasons, but then Bruno Fernandes stepping up and, and missing. Leeds having a complete meltdown, and Luke Ayling deciding to get sent off after 20 minutes. West Ham having to rest a load of players and not really... Play a very physical brand of football because they had the second leg of a Europa League semi final coming up directly after they played Arsenal. Like, they had a lot of things go their way. (laughs) They had a lot of things go their way in the build up to the North London Derby. They also then made the decisions on the day that that cost them. Yeah, you'll be surprised to hear my sympathy is is, is quite minimal. That's
1: it. When all is said and done, you turned up at Tottenham and you lost 3 0 and you could have won it you could have won it and you could have walked home with the champions league then but you know you haven't and i don't know it's it's all on it's all on norwich now though this is the thing and it, 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 people people are automatically going to say oh you're being pessimistic ah uh, you're being no, kind I'm of typical you. tottenham fan but you. You, we we're not there yet and you know if there's I get it. I know people say, not this team, not this Tottenham, not this what Conte... We don't know what this team is yet. We don't know what Conte has turned this team into yet. He hasn't had enough time. We're seeing seeds of change, but that doesn't mean we're there yet.
2: Have you changed on Conte? Have you sort of moved a bit on Conte from where you kind of were before?
1: Well, I think my, I think my perspective has always been that he's been a great manager. I just don't like his kind of bullshit. And his bullshit subsided a bit. I, I You know, because I have got this on the... Uh, On the list, and I think the thing that's encouraging is that he's finally, you know, he's at least his outwards. Should we say what what he's what he's putting out into the world at the moment is that he's happy, that he feels at home. You know, a lot of the stuff he was saying after the North London Derby was very encouraging, and I just wonder, I don't know, you know, I wonder if because I'm pretty sure a couple of years back, Madrid passed up on him. You've had United pass up on him this summer. I I do wonder if somebody, his agent or whoever, you know, after that Burnley thing, which was, I mean, love him... If anybody that loves him that wants to dig me out of center, you, everybody has to admit that was it was disgraceful with the way he behaved after that Burnley game. It was. I mean, there's been there's been dramatic and there's been kind of passionate and all this stuff, but to go out after your team's just lost. I, this is the Burnley away game. I mean, yeah, what, uh,
2: or, uh, was it one nil? Where was it Ben Me scored right? Yeah,
1: and he's saying I'm going to speak to the chairman? Maybe I'm not the right man for this job. And you know, come on, mate. Like that's you're a Premier League manager. It's put it's to me, it's pushing it a bit much. And I, I, I just wasn't here for that stuff. I wasn't you... here for the excuses for the, you know, I just, I put it as like, mate, keep it, keep keep your emotions in check a bit, you know?
2: Well, did you know, do you know what's really interesting? I, like sometimes, sometimes after Spurs lose, I go into these weird, and I shouldn't do this it's horrendously immature but I have no control of my feelings when I'm watching Spurs it's yeah. just one of those things in life that will probably never change for as long as I live but when Spurs lose sometimes in my mind I'm like right bring on the pain <laughs> like right everything is a disaster the entire world's burning down give it give it all to me and and like like, I want an avalanche of just negativity because I feel so rubbish about the fact that Spurs have lost. You it's know just being mean attracted to that?
1: the chaos. It's moth to the flame, isn't it? You
2: can't, You can't help it because you feel so rubbish about the fact that it's like a game that you should win. And as a fan, you're sort of sitting there and being like, just sort of like... I, I don't know. I just I, I I'm sort of like you. I was saying at the beginning of the pod. I just want someone to tell me I'm scum at that point. <laughs> just literally. I, like, I, do you know what's an
1: interesting the- one? I think a lot of people like as a as a parallel. I think a lot of people got this after Brexit. Um, and I don't want to go too deep on this one because no, I. But right. you know, no, no, but you know right, like right. when Brexit happened, people are like right. That's it. The country's going to burn down. Everything's fucked. We're all dead. Right. Bring it on. Bring on the petrol. And It's like I get it. I get why people are anxious about it and stuff. I didn't want it to happen. And I feel a lot of the kind of worry about this stuff, but it's not going to get us anywhere to literally like just write everything off Everything's constantly. Fucked. We can't you know? do anything like, to it, yeah. We, we've got to try and like, come on, you know?
2: Yeah, it, and, and that, but I, I mean, that, that led to the rise of the, the fan channels, right? That feeling led to the rise of the fan channels because when you, when you lose, you want to vent. And when you win, you want to see the meltdown of the people that are venting. So like you can't, it, it, it's such a, a visceral and instant yeah, yeah. Re, instant reactionary thing. But I suppose the difference is for us, we hold ourselves to such a low bar as fans in terms of like how we're supposed to feel. Like you almost as a fan, you reserve the right to just react in the moment. Mm. You know, you reserve the right as a fan to just be you in that moment. Obviously not take it too far. And I'm, you know my thoughts on on, on, kind of like the the kind of fan cam style tearing people apart just because they've had a rough afternoon in central midfield or whatever. I suppose the difference is that when you're the manager, people need you to, like, from from the outside, you need to feel like, well, don't worry because it's under control. Like, you you, you need that. But it was one of the things Pochettino was always very good at. I thought in that he used to say, "I'm going to go away and watch the video." I'm yeah. going to go away and watch the entire game back. Do you mean, do you mean the video? Before I, the, the video, I'm going to yeah. go to my office full of lemons and watch um, the video. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it's, yeah. And I, do you know what I think when
1: I, because I have been thinking about it a lot lately and how I'm kind of out with content and stuff. And I think, you know, one of the other things I think that I'm probably raging against as well is like, it's a kind of, he's obviously the personification of it, but it's a lot of, our fans as well kind of, I don't know, just having that kind of like, please boss, you know, like, please don't, please don't leave us, please, you know, it's this kind of we're not worthy type thing where it's <laughs> like, come on, like.
2: I know I, I know you're getting that there because it's that, it, 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 all, the implication of that would be that somehow Spurs are, Spurs are not a, a big enough draw. You know, that, 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 that it's... That it's but one of the things that Rafa van der Vaart said in one of the, the pre-match things that, um, that we did with him was that whenever he played for Spurs against Arsenal, he understood that to the fans, whether you wanted to accept it or not, Spurs is the biggest club in the world. To your fans, like, the game against Arsenal is the biggest game for the biggest club, so you better understand it. You better get why fans are so passionate. And that's why every time he scored against Arsenal, he used to go absolutely mad because he wanted to be a fan on the pitch. He wanted to kind of show that he understood it. And I think we as Spurs fans all feel that way. We all feel like, well, we've got this massive stadium now. We've got unbelievable training facilities. We know our history. We know we've got the history of of being a big club. We are a big draw. You know, and you want to feel like... It's a great job. It's one of the best jobs in the world now. It is. In, in world football. Undeniably. I can't remember. Somebody, I think
1: it was um, Adam Nathan on Twitter was saying, you know, it's probably outside of the very top 10. It's the best job in the world.
2: Undeniably. It totally is. And, and what, but I suppose on the flip side, the the thing that we get, and I know you, you and I have chatted about this before, is that if you're bought in on the sort of the roller coaster of 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 having a a manager at the club who will wear his heart on his sleeve. If you're bought in, it will really work for you. If you're bought in on the idea of him doing the the kind of like the Conte cam vibes, the idea of him geeing up the crowd, it's really, really, really gonna work for you. And I guess in twenty twenty two a lot of people want to see that kind of very very visual sort of style of management, right? They want to...
1: Yeah, look at Klopp, look, you know. Even Arteta does it as well, to be fair to him, you know.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's been quite interesting watching Ancelotti this season, isn't it? Like, sort of seeing him on the side look very, very calm and composed when his side are pulling off these unbelievable feats in Europe of turning games around and finding a way to get over the line. Like, particularly against City, the fact that he was just stood there with the kind of fish hook in his eyebrow just chilling as they were <laughs> taking City apart but I think the, 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 the thing with Conte like I was saying it, the emotional stuff the kind of passion thing I think you don't get one without the other and so whilst you totally enjoy it while it's going well at the moment you also understand that it, it comes with it comes with when it's when it's a rough day when it's a tough day that it's going to, it's going to feel a little bit more heavy i i suppose for us now the hope is that we do enough to make sure we get over the line on sunday um get into the champions league and then the vast vast majority of next season is us having good days and us all being able to enjoy the kind of the emotional nature of it Do you know what i mean yeah, i big explain time. that like yeah I, no I, no I, I big time man, no, I, I, I,
1: I, yeah i mean i do I'm getting there. I'm not bought into. It. I know, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to lie about it. I'm I'm I am i am do not feel I don't feel a lot of love for him yet. I don't. Um and I don't as I, I just don't know how much I can trust him yet. I think that's what a lot of it comes down to, but you know, it's great. It's great what we're doing so far and long may it continue because because well, yeah, go on mate.
2: Well, no, I was just saying, for the record, I totally get as well that I'm in this very strange position and I think it probably irks, it it might irk some Tottenham fans at some point in that I'm on match days for example, sometimes I will interview the manager or will speak to players and it's it's my job always to ensure that we're in the right frame of mind and that we make sure we're authentic and honest but at the same time, like, I want to make sure on match days that I'm just 100% behind whatever is needed in order to get us over the line and I imagine that's quite tough because it it, like some people might feel that 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 would mean that you wouldn't give the kind of most the very truest most authentic version of yourself but at times it also is quite it's quite liberating because it allows you to be completely blindly following something you know it's sort of it's one of the things that I found it's been really nice this season in that like I've gone deeper in my support for Spurs than I than I ever have but, and that comes, I guess. So, yeah.
1: Well, it's just because. the thing is, you were uh, you were a fan in the stands before this, right? I mean, uh, whatever you might get the odd troll and stuff, being like, or oh, just some presenter or whatever. But you're not <laughs> like you. You were a fan. You were a top. You've been a Tottenham fan. You like the reason why we're mates is we were Spurs fans <laughs> that weren't oh, together please. and we could talk about it you know we've gone to games together a lot of games it together was my, and stuff. one of
2: my favourite things of all time you after, know? after you and I had met for the first time like, sort yeah. of talking about potentially working together and then the next time I saw you was walking out of Wembley absolutely <laughs> sloshed <Yeah. laughs> and you said to your missus like yeah. that potentially is yeah. someone I'm going to be in a team yeah. with in about three months time and he's just seen me absolutely <laughs> hammered yeah, I, can't,
1: I, can't, I think it was was it after the Chelsea game as well I th- yeah, was, after we
2: just lost two ones Chelsea yeah and I, and and I was
1: season. raging I was so drunk and <laughs> Raging, and I was like, "Oh, hi Ben!" Yeah, and then I was just like, "So sharp." Sure. That's Ben who interviewed me uh, like a w- <laughs> two weeks ago. So I don't think I'm getting that job. Oh, that's um, so good. As so I was all like red faced and like fucking Drop shouting kicking the ground and just like... Uh. <laughs> and it had started raining as well. Yeah. It was like a gorgeous uh. day
2: and then it started hammering down. That was Rangers, a miserable you know?
1: game as well, wasn't it? I think it was, a, was it Alonso?
2: Did he score? Yeah, he like scored right twice. In, uh. He scored twice and Hugo let one through him. After all this big talk-off, I've given Hugo let him uh. right, right through him at the near post. But this is, this is why now it's, it's so enjoyable having had the week that we've just had. Because you're carrying all of that stuff do you know what I mean? It's all these little experiences we've had on match days over the course of the past, however long. Like, we're carrying all of that scar tissue. So to get to enjoy... I remember so many people were saying before the Burnley game, they were like, yeah, we beat Arsenal, but this is the game where we throw it. Or this is the game where we draw 1-0 with Burnley or draw nil nil." It's so nice to get through those two games and buck the script. That buck against it. <laughs>
1: let's I mean this is it though. this is this is the test now it's yeah. in our hands it's in our hands it's I know it's a Norwich team that has nothing to play for but that can go against you as well you know it's no, a Norwich team that it. again that seems to weirdly just hate us most
2: Why? we have Why? these
1: weird teams at age, but what remember in that? that FA Cup game they just they just took such I mean obviously winning a winning away at a bigger club is great it's great to have that in the FA Cup as a scout but there was a weird kind of level of hatred for us from them as well again i think it, i think it's in uh, in part it might be down to the fact i remember um one of my mates who's actually a norwich fan said that it's one of those bizarre facts that tottenham in the premier league is actually like norwich's closest home game You're I think I, th- I think that might still be the truth so that's
2: like the easiest one for them to actually get
1: up. I for. think so. I think it's I, it, like yeah. I think that is their closest away game. Like they're the nearest club to them. Um, I'm not sure if it's as the crow flies or as by transport goes, but it's there's some. Yeah, it's one of those bizarre like pub quiz type facts that God, you can that crazy that you can take away. Yeah, um, we
2: seem to have that with so many teams though, don't we? This kind of like odd. Thing where they're like they want to get one over on Leicester. Spurs. Leicester,
1: it, Leicester, beat us to the title and they still hate us. Like West, I don't. Ham, you won, lads.
2: Give it up. West Ham, like they can't wait for the game against Southampton. Spurs. I don't get it. Like what? To to me, when I see the West Ham fixture, I'm like, oh yeah, big London derby. That's it. Like there's no. It's not. It's not like I. I, I think like oh god, this is a game that we like. We have to be up for otherwise it's all going to fall apart. Whereas like, for some reason West Ham see it as that the biggest game in the calendar
1: honestly speaking i mostly get the joy from beating west ham because of all the sort of off pitch the racist stuff that they do i'm like this will hurt those tossers. you know <laughs> the, the, that element in their crowd like that will hurt them and so i'm like yes good you know especially when it's son who scores against them all the time son who's been like victim of like targeted abuse from them on several occasions I just love the fact that he is so up for that game, and yeah, of course he is. You know, it's
2: such a it's such a strange thing, though, isn't it? The, the kind of idea that somehow I think, do you know what it is? I think it's probably because we're tang like we're tangibly close to these teams. We're that team that has kind of climbed out of the swamp, as yeah. it were.
1: We were there with Everton, with Newcastle, with Aston Villa, and we've put our heads as as always says to, to paraphrase from him, we've put our heads above the parapet. You know, and as soon as you do that. People start taking shots at you. And it's true. You know, people, it rankles people. It annoys all of us when Liverpool do that. It means more. Nice. They're mawkish shit. But the, as I've sort of been banging on about today on Twitter, the reason why it rankles me is because I get it. I get what they do. I mean, yeah, they are a super club. They have a lot of money. But the way they're competing against the likes of Manchester City, PSG, it's amazing. And it's credit to Klopp and it's credit to what they're doing because it feels. I would. I would die for the success that Liverpool are having. Do I feel envious of what Manchester City are doing? Not for a second. No, I. I can't for a second. I couldn't. It doesn't care less. hurt me. No. What do you win? I don't care. When I see them lift the Premier League title, it's almost like a void season. And I know I know, you know, you'll have the likes of Boofy that will say Boofy, a mutual friend of ours who's a big Manchester City fan, who would just say you're just saying it because it's sour grapes, because no, you rattled I couldn't care less. I honestly couldn't care less when Manchester City do it. I I really don't care. But when Liverpool do it, it hurts.
2: But you know you know it why hurts. that is. You know it's because because you sort of think have been could us. be there. You it know? could be us. Just yeah. be there. What I tell you what, one
1: thing I did want to end it on on a, on a positive. Going up to this, Humminson, Player of the Season. Oh, I mean, a lot is made of Harry. Kane. I think you know Harry Kane is a player on a on another planet. Like he's he's on another stratosphere, but. Hoon Son is, he's orbiting with him, you know, like he's, he's, he's up there and I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that Harry Kane is Harry Kane without Hoon Son either. No, totally. But in his own right, Hoon Son is, you know, he's, he's up there with Bale, with Modric, with Berbatov, with Ginola now. Like he's, he's comfortably in that pantheon of the best players Tottenham have ever had. And, the fact now, I mean we don't know what Mo Salah's injury is at the moment, how long it's going to keep him out for. Two goals against Norwich. The opportunity's there for Herminson to have probably, I think, the most well deserved golden beer. I'm not, I'm not I don't want to take anything away from the ones that Harry Kane has won, but it's it's you know ha, as we normalise Harry Kane's brilliance, it's almost like it's a given. It's like well Harry Kane should be doing that. Mo Salah should be doing that, you know? With a player like him in Son, it's like this is almost like the the affirmation to I guess to other fan bases like see we we're, we're not just chatting shit. This lad is unbelievable, yeah. and he does have to he does have to operate in Kane's. I, I I sort of made this point a few weeks ago. He's sort of unlucky in the fact that he's in this Tottenham team at the same time as Harry Kane. In a way, even though I think they are. They are the most iconic duo now. Those two, the most successful Premier League duo of all time. And you can say that now because they are. He is kind of unlucky in a sort of sense that he's playing alongside Kane because he is forever in Kane's shadow. But he shouldn't be because he's just... and At the start of the season when whatever was going on with Harry Kane and he wasn't at the races, Humminson stepped up as he often has done. Man- Manchester City away in the Champions League. It was Humminson's show. And... This sort of this crunch part of the season, he has been just a man that you can absolutely rely on. You can tell they adore everybody in the club adores him. They just absolutely—I oh, don't need to tell you this. You work with him consistently, like, but just from the outside, you can see everybody loves him. I remember, Tommy, another one of our mates who used to work at the club was just like, you cannot, you cannot like, uh, und- like you cannot underestimate the effect that having somebody like Son at the club it's unbelievable. is. unbelievable. He's like, I think Tommy even described him as an angel. He was just like, he. there's something about him. He has an aura. Every time around him, you just feel happy because he's just such a great guy. And like, everybody's there for him. And to see him like get it, to see him actually get that. I think, I think even like... Probably you're just your layer of Liverpool fans just outside the most hardened would probably be hard pressed to feel too begrudged if Son took the golden boot over Salah, you know. And,
2: And it's not the other thing that's so important to understand it's not disingenuous, like, he genuinely is that nice, he genuinely is that guy. And if you think about any kind of team that you've ever been a part of in any walk of life, so whether that be like work or whether it's Sunday league or whether that's um, like sort of just even down to things like hobbies that you, you might have when you're in a team, you cannot overstate how important it is to have that guy in the group that everyone is able to laugh along with. Like to have that guy in the group that just brings constant good energy that no one ever feels like they can't talk to. Because we've all been in like, you've all been in those places where you sort of think, oh God, that, that person makes me a bit uncomfortable or I don't really know if I sort of trust them or I don't really know if I'm kind of like able to be my, my fu- the full version of myself around them. Can you imagine anyone ever feeling around Sonny like they couldn't be themselves or they couldn't just have a chat and have a laugh and kind of have a smile on their face? Like, that's so huge over the course of a, an intense Nine ten month campaign, and going down to the wire, going down to the the final day of the season, he's still got the same energy that he had at the beginning of the season as well. I think he's one of those ones, like you said, that we'll look back on and wish that we appreciated more while we had him. What was it? Is it seven seasons now, and he's done 40 games plus in every single season that he's been with us? And now he's scoring all the He's scoring at such a consistent rate for someone that doesn't play as an out-and-out centre forward. Like, we, we're lucky to have him. I remember. Do you remember last summer when we did a pod, and we were talking about needing to appreciate Harry Kane, like regardless of what happens, we need to appreciate that what this guy is doing. Like he's doing things that we as Spurs fans may not see again in our lifetime may not see a player of his level of quality son is fast approaching that you know we are so lucky to have this player at our club we're so lucky to have a player that puts up the numbers that he puts up is the character he is on and off the pitch and at the same time he absolutely adores spurs like you you you, there are players all over the world that are complete mercenaries and just Turn out a performance for their team and then go away and and they get paid to play. Son couldn't be further from that. He loves the club. He loves being at Spurs. He just signed a new contract. Like we have to appreciate him. Like we've he, got to appreciate him.
1: He could have gone to any club in the world. Anywhere. Any club anywhere. in the world would have had him. Madrid, any of them. He's even the even Liverpool to make would it have anywhere. Had. Maybe not now with Diaz, but they would have still taken him. You know, like
2: if you said to Liverpool now. Son is available this summer there is no way even with the players that they've got I think Liverpool would probably look and be like yeah we'll let Salah go like we like this has got this question over kind of like whether like Mo Salah's going to stick around at Liverpool if they knew that they had potentially the opportunity to sign Son I'm sure they would the, the, people would barely bat an island he would get into City he'd get into Real Madrid he'd get into Barcelona's team like we're so privileged to have this guy at the club he's unbelievable and he loves being at the club like I, I really, really hope. I, I know. He, obviously, the fact that one player of the year means that people, people do get it. And I mean, he wins it all the wins it all the time. Um, but he, he's so talented, and his even when he's a bit patchy, his patches now are like a game, a couple of games. You know that that it's not like he's running ten games without putting him in an incredible performance. And he's becoming so clutch in in big games as well. Like. I, sorry, I'm. I'm honestly, this is just ode to Sonny now. But he's such a wonderful player. We have to appreciate what we've got whilst we've got it. it. Like, there'll be a time, as there is in every football supporter's kind of up and down peaks and troughs. There'll be a time in in at some point in the future where Spurs are not where they are now. There'll be a time where we're not challenging for the Champions League and we're not pushing on to get top four. And we'll be looking and being like, oh God, if only we had a player up front who could score goals and still be creative and works hard. And at that point, people were like, do you remember how good Sonny was? I yeah. just think at the moment, we have to realise what we've got while we've got it. Oh,
1: mate, I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm going to put you in a in a in a no it's not it's not that awkward a position, but I'm gonna tap you up for your for your insider knowledge ahead of this game, this Norwich game. What's the what's the vibe like within the hive, mate? How 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 is it? How how's everyone feeling and you know, are we Conte seems like a guy, for everything I've said about him, he seems like a guy that he won't be, you know, Tottenham fans are jubilantly kind of goading Arsenal now. He won't be doing that right. He'll know there's a job to do still. The job isn't no. done yet. And we gotta go. We gotta go up there, and we gotta win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do
2: you know what? So I sp- the other day um I spoke with Lucas, Sonny, and Hugo after the game, as you do. And you know. like, <laughs> yes. and I was re- like, I mean, they all of them. That oh, man, I don't know. The, the energy was was phenomenal after the Burnley game. Like it was, it was, it was. I don't know how to i don't know how to put it considering that it was such a strange game that possibly it could have been relief but also you just felt i don't know it just felt like it felt like a bit of a a sea change you know it it, it felt like we had completely flipped the momentum and realistically arsenal should have gone and got the job done at newcastle but it just felt like there was this belief just completely emanating out of all of them that that yeah we have got to go and, and do the job at at Norwich but just there was such faith in what they were doing which is amazing i mean when you compare it to to the beginning of the season i don't want to i don't want to shit on nuno or or be disrespectful to to nuno because i think when you look back it, like it was it was an incredibly difficult sort of situation for him to come into and for him to try and get things right in a very short period of time i'm i'm sure it was really tough but if you just look compare how things are now with how things were when Nuno moved on it 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 couldn't feel more different like it feels that the energy is just so so good there's such a belief in what they're doing as well and it's across the board like there's such buy-in now so I mean after the game they're all saying the same thing is go and just get the job done but there's no trepidation now which is lovely it makes you feel as a makes you feel as a as a fan like we don't need to carry any of that that sort of nerve nervous energy it's just like no they're going to get the job done go and be professional and again one of the huge positives of of Antonio Conte's brand of football is everyone knows their job everyone knows what they have to do and it doesn't allow for this kind of it doesn't allow for the super like the huge fluctuations do you know I, I always felt with Pochettino in that like we we were we were running on emotion a lot of times and i loved it i absolutely adored it but there was big fluctuations wasn't there that sometimes you felt like at 3-0 up the mood could change quite quickly because we were quite an emotional side it's starting to feel a little bit more cold at the moment still plenty of emotion in the team still plenty of emotion on the t- on the touchline but in terms of the way we go about business it's a little bit more cold and a little bit more calculated and a little bit more ruthless and clinical and, and so I mean I don't want to now give it the kiss of death but I just feel like going into this weekend people just know what they've got to do and I really feel like we're going to get over the line and, and fingers crossed we're sitting here on Monday and we're absolutely buzzed I can't wait to listen to the Champions League theme tune again if we get it done mate just i I'll be I'll be listening to that on repeat over and over and over. How special would that be? Oh, Champions just, League nights back I'm, I'm, at, at I'm the stadium.
1: Tingling, mate, honestly, to me it's other than the World Cup, it's it's the most incredible form of football. I never ever take it for granted. I always dreamed, honestly, as a kid, growing up, even as an adult, that Tottenham would one day maybe make the Champions League. And we had that with the you know crouch at the etihad when we beat them to it and i just thought this is it this is this yeah. is the peak this is the peak of what we're going to get and it's amazing and i'm happy with that and to, if we
2: get over the line do you think do you think we'll remember the arsenal game in the same way
1: what the 3-0 yeah i i think it's it's everything it's glorious and i think it it could be a i i don't want to i don't want to overstate it too much but i do think it, it is it's a potentially like it's a, it's a branch in the timeline right it i think history mm. looks very different either way that fixture goes. And it's it's huge. I've, there are just some games, right, that are just like that. And there was a lot resting on that. And the fact that we are now going from the start of this season, like you were talking about, that feels like another lifetime ago now. And it really does. It, it feels like something completely alien to what we're in now. The fact that we're potentially staring down the barrel of going back into the Champions League is it's everything it's everything this is you know Tottenham maybe we don't have the same heritage as a uh, Liverpool and AC Milan or Real Madrid but we are still compared to 99% of clubs in this country we have heritage in Europe and we're a European mm. club we are and it's it's where we belong we belong in the you know under the lights midweek White Hart Lane all playing, exactly playing Europe's finest and I live for it I absolutely live for it and the fact that we might be there again is is everything. So I don't. I just I can't get too too excited about oh. it yet because we're so we're so close. We're so close, and I just yeah, like you say, Sunday afternoon is gonna be a very interesting way. Like in a very interesting afternoon, whatever way you look at it, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna I be massive. That
2: feeling, mate. If we do get over the line on Sunday, that fit like you'll have, it will be... Do you remember after you finish, like, your your A-levels and you got, like, a, a four-month summer where you just go out and get pissed all the time and go to house parties and before you went to uni and everyone was just buzzing to kind of hang out together? That's what... It, if Spurs get over the line, that's what our summer will be. Yeah, It'll just be total optimism and, like, everyone just excited to see what comes next season with the knowledge that there's going to be... I mean, one of the big things for me. Can't wait to be singing. Oh, what a night! Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night again. I mean, like what a treat that's going to be as well. Spurs are at the Burner Bow. Arsenal watching Emmerdale vibes. That would just be. Oh, man, I can't wait. <laughs>